Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Sisters, I'm Christy, co-founding sister of Book Club Sisterhood. Welcome to week two of Unshakable Hope by Max Lucado, also mashed potatoes. <laughs> I will forever remember that, PJ. Yes. Thank you. So this is um, our book is Building Our Lives on the Promises of God. So we're going to talk about chapters five through eight tonight. And these are some good chapters. Like I cried, I got really excited. Um, this is really good. I mean, Max Lucado is an amazing author. This is his 40th book. I have no idea how many more he's put out since he wrote this one. Um, probably close to like a hundred or so. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even know when this was put out, to be honest. I don't usually look at, oh, 2018. So three more years of writing. I'm sure he's put out a few more. <laughs> Couple a year, I'd imagine. All right. Chapter five is called Your Prayers Have Power. Um, so he opens this chapter talking about going to Office Max, um, <laughs> which I think is funny because apparently he thinks he owns that and Remax and CarMax and all the Maxes because his name is Max. Um, so he was walking around um, with his wife talking about how he owned the place like, oh, thanks for coming to my store, looking on my shelves and buying my stuff. Um, but the cashier very nicely reminded him that he had no clout there. Like his name might be Max, but he has no clout. Um, however, on page 50, he says at the top, if you have taken on the name of Christ, you have clout with the most powerful being in the universe. When you speak, God listens. When you pray, heaven takes note. I think that's pretty cool. We have clout because we've taken on the name of Christ so we hold a special place in his heart, in his existence, and he's going to listen to us. It's like we own the place. Not really, obviously, but we are <laughs> children of the business owner, right? So he talks about that later too. But next, Max Lucado in the book talks about Elijah and how he has a standoff with the worshipers of Baal. So they each create an altar, um, I didn't write down the reference. It's 1 Kings 18, 20 and 21 is where he starts. But on Mount Carmel, he tells the worshipers of Baal to set up an altar and to sacrifice a bull and have Baal send down fire to um, complete the sacrifice. What am I trying to say? Burn the sacrifice. Anyway, and then he will do the same for his God and then they'll determine who's the real God. Um. So there's 450 worshipers or priests of Baal, prophets, sorry, prophets of Baal. And there's just one Elijah. Um, I can't remember. What was it? Faith and Fire by Priscilla Schreier. Her, um, her, her devotional, her Bible study on the life of Elijah, really, really good. It's called Faith and Fire. We did it for a small group at church um, last year, I think. Yeah. Um, Nelly, you did it with me. It was faith and fire, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They go into this and it's, it's really cool to look at all the details, but this is a really cool story. Um, <clears throat> so basically like he even kind of chastises the prophets of Baal. They're like, 
He's like, what? Is he indisposed? Is he taking a nap? Like, why is he not, you know, kind of hassle, you know, hassling him a little bit, um, which is not very Christian-like, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> he's one guy against 450 people. But anyway, um, he was kind of chastising them. And then I thought it was interesting that Max points out in here um, on page 52, he says, no request for fire was made. So Elijah never actually asked for the fire to come down. Um, in verses 36 and 37, it says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. So this is 1 Kings 18, verses 36 and 37. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the next verse says, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, yeah. the wood, mm -hmm. the stones, and the soil, and also licked up all the water. So he didn't actually even ask for fire, but God knew his heart. On page 52, right under those verses, it says, no request for fire was made. Just the heart of the prophet was revealed and pow, <laughs> it's like, bang, and things happen. Uh, God knew Elijah's heart because he poured out his heart to God. And if you notice in his prayer, he's saying, oh, God of our ancestors, and let it be known today that you are the God in Israel. Like he's glorifying God in his request. He's putting God as the center, like answer me, Lord, answer me so that the people will know that you, Lord, are God. He's not doing anything to uplift himself. He is uplifting God. And that is when God's going to be like, all right, let's go. You know, that's, that's what he wants us to do is to glorify him and raise him up and step aside. We need to get out of God's way sometimes, right? So he didn't even ask for fire. I just think that's really cool. You know, and I want to point out what, like I said, you know, what Elijah did say is that God is God. Like show them that you're God. Let's let's rain down the fire because this is going to be awesome, and I love that God did that. He even um, he poured multiple buckets of water on top of the fire before he asked God to put you know burn up the the altar, and he even even with everything soaking wet, the wood was wet, the meat was wet, the altar was wet, soaking wet it's still burned up in the fire. So it was almost like Elijah was setting the stage to make it absolutely humanly, humanly impossible for that sacrifice to burn up just so he can prove a point, right? Mm -hmm. God can yeah. overcome anything, even the water and all the trials, yeah. right? So cool. We are God's children and that's why he hears our prayers right away. Every request is heard. On page 53, he says, will God do what you ask? Perhaps, or perhaps he will do more than you imagined because he knows what's best. So as you guys probably know, we've been having car trouble <laughs> and we were graciously gifted a vehicle. It's not one that we could use. So we sold it and the money that we got for it, we were planning on getting another car because one of the vans we own is not in the best shape. Um, so we were going to trade in that van, get a different car with this money that we were going to get from this old vehicle, if everybody's following me. So, so many cars involved. Um, but around the same time we were offered the vehicle, we were gifted that vehicle. 
the transmission went out on the, our good van, quote unquote, good van. <laughs> the transmission went out. And if anyone's had their transmission go out, you know that that's crazy expensive. So yep. we took our good van to the shop on Monday and we sold the gifted vehicle, I think on Thursday <laughs> and got almost exactly the amount that we needed to pay for the transmission. So we had no idea we needed a transmission in the good van, but God knew. And he orchestrated this so that we were gifted the vehicle exactly in the right timing for us to be able to pay for the transmission. And I never could have imagined that that's how it would have gone, right? Because I don't know what's best for me. I'm so glad that we didn't buy another car before we got the vehicle <laughs> gifted and all that happened because then we would still owe the money for the transmission. So God orchestrated that whole thing perfectly. Now we still have a semi-working van <laughs> and we have the really good van now because it has a brand new transmission. So it should be good for, for a good while, fingers crossed. But our other van, it's kind of funny because something else, the, the bad van that we were going to trade in, it actually had some issues and Johnny was able to repair something that we think might've been a little loose the whole time. And it actually fixed a bunch of lights that were coming up on the dash. So now we have our good van, the quote unquote, well, the other van is working and is fine. The heat is working because we've had the heat go out. The power doors went out like just random stuff. This van is like, I, I, I think it's possessed. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I don't know what's going on with this van, but right now it's working. God has provided for us and he will continue to provide for us. And I know that deep in my soul that he is there for me because two weeks ago I was living day by day. I had no idea how anybody was getting anywhere the next day. And I just kept trusting in God and praying and be like, you know what? You keep providing. So I'm just going to keep trusting. And it wasn't easy. It was a lot of anxiety and it wasn't, it was just not easy. Y'all have had those days where the storms come and you're like, I don't even know what to do. So you literally have no choice, but to give it to God. Cause you're like, I, there's too many variables. I have no idea what's going on. I don't even know how, what, anything that's happening. So anyway, um, just below that on page 53, he says, you are never without hope because you are never without prayer. I love that. You are always able to pray. So you always have a hope in God that he will help you. And we know he will, because like I said, when I needed him most, he kept providing for us. It was one day at a time, but that's the best I could do. I, I could only look to the next day and say, okay, God's going to take care of it. And you, ha you have to trust. And I know that seems very flippant. Like, yeah, you just have to trust. But when you're in the trenches, that's all you can do. <laughs> that's all I had left was to trust because I didn't have a solution. And you're going to have days like that. This earth is not going to be perfect. The only place is going to be perfect is heaven, which I can't wait to get there. I don't want to rush it, but I can't wait to get there because it's just going to be so amazing. But I just want to say like, God is so, so good all the time. No matter how hard things may seem, he's just good. He is. Um, let's see. And then on page, where's the story of? 
the story of Dmitri start? I didn't write down what page it starts on. He starts talking about Dmitri, which is a Russian Christian who was persecuted and thrown in jail for believing in God and openly sharing God's word. And that's kind of scary, right? Because we have the freedom right now to talk about God and openly share like we are here about our faith. But we may not always have that. So it's a little scary to see somebody like we see that in the Bible. We see multiple examples of people who were like Paul, who were um, thrown into prison. Um, Daniel was thrown into prison for openly, you know, glorifying God. Um, so we read all these stories but we're like, oh, you know, that was thousands of years ago but this was only maybe a hundred years ago um they said it was in the beginning of the 20th century so that's a little scary because <laughs> what are we like i said what are we doing right now like we're openly sharing our faith um but i believe in god and i want to share that with people because that's what we've been called to do but in that time i could have been sent to prison just for having a, this book club scary and I can just I, I can only hope that I can be as faithful as Dimitri was and it was really cool because miraculously it says God let Dimitri hear his family praying for him and he was inside prison and they were at home but he could hear them praying like God opened his ears and allowed him to hear those prayers so that he knew they were alive so because he was getting ready to recant his faith and say, you know what, my family, because they told him his wife was dead and his children were going into like the system. So God opened his ears and let him hear that all of his family was okay. So he told the guards, he was like, you're lied to me. God showed me what the truth is. So that's the power of prayer. You know, mm -hmm. if we come together and we agree on something in prayer, God hears that. He hears you if you're the only one praying. So on page 56, he says, prayer is not the last resort. It is the first step. A lot of people, myself included, you know, that's the last thing on your list. Like you want to find a medicine to fix it. You want to find the right doctor. You want to find this or that. Um, but we don't pray first. I've been guilty of that. I've talked to you guys before about Hudson's limp. You know, I went to the doctors and we got x-rays and we got blood work and we da, 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 da. And then I took it to God and prayed and he fixed my heart instead of the situation. He fixed how I saw the situation rather than fixing the limp because my son was fine. I just needed to see that he was fine and stop working myself up. So he did fix the problem, which was me, not my son, but anyway. Prayer is so, so, so important. Um, I'm part of the prayer team now at church and it's really awesome to be able to, for all of us to come together and pray over people in our church and just intercede for them. All right, chapter six is called Grace for the Humble. So he starts this chapter talking about a man that I didn't know anything about. His name is Bernie Madoff and then King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm never gonna say his name right. So we're just gonna go with that. Both had everything and then lost it. Bernie um, was very, very rich, had multiple homes, multiple everything. His wife had everything under the sun, but it turns out he was um, what's the word, laundering money and not being truthful at all about with any of his business stuff. 
Um, and then King Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> Ebenezer, let's call him King Ebenezer. That's easier to say. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. You are more... saying it correctly. Nebuchadnezzar is correct. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar. I, I can't function tonight. Okay. Um, he was more interested in taking credit for everything than actually serving God. So they had some things in common, you know, they were very, very prideful. Um, so on page 64, he quotes, let's make so much noise turning pages. I'm sure that's annoying to whoever's listening. Um, on page 64, it says, God resists the proud because the proud resists God. And he also quotes Proverbs 8, 13. He says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. And then down below, he says, first, he quotes first Peter five, five, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So being humble means understanding who's fully in control and acknowledging that he is. And that's where the King and Bernie both fall short because they didn't recognize who was actually in control. And that's the best thing we could possibly do because you can't accept his grace if you don't understand that he's in control of you. So it makes sense. You know, first Peter five, five, it says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble because when you become humble, then you can actually accept his grace on page 66 at the top. He says, God gives grace to the humble because the humble are hungry for grace. We need his grace, right? It's undeserved and it's over provided by God. And when we sit humbly before him, asking for forgiveness, that's when we can truly feel the gift of grace and you understand what that is because you don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve him dying on the cross for us, but he did it anyway because he loves us. On page 67, toward the bottom, he says, those who walk in pride, God is able to humble but those who walk in humility, God is able to use. I really like that. It makes well, Christy, a lot of sense. You know, I've always really felt true that, you know, pride goes before a downfall. I mean, it's amazing. This is, this is a great story. You know, I was at the base and had, was having surgery and the anesthesiologist uh, that was in training um, was telling the young tech that he was not doing my IV correctly mm -hmm. and that she knew how to do it. And um, yeah, needless to say, uh, she missed up on my veins. So should not have been so boastful and so prideful and telling people how great she was because how embarrassing then in front of, you know, the people she's bragging to mm -hmm. that. And unfortunately, I ended up being, you know, the loser in it all because, yeah, right. I had to get stuck again. But, um, yeah, I thought I, I thought it, actually, you know, though I didn't like to be stuck, I thought it was pretty funny that she was bragging. <laughs> so, yeah, pride goes before a downfall because, you know, when you're going to boast like that, yeah, it happens. Mm -hmm. So you you should be humble. Yeah. Cause I didn't got to eat crow. <laughs> yeah, sir. She had to go hide in the corner for the rest of your surgery. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> should have hid in the corner. So, but yeah, don't brag. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to say this again, cause I really like it. 
on page 67, he says, those who walk in pride, God is able to humble, but those who walk in humility, God is able to use. So I think when we realize we aren't the focal point, we can get a lot more done. And I think that's what he's saying here. You know, if we can be humble and realize that God's in control and get out of our own way, we can let God take over and do what he needs to do. So I think we need to take ourselves out of the equation and give it all to God. He has so much more planned for us that we can't even fathom. Any ability you have is God-given. Any knowledge you have is a gift from God. We would have none of this if it wasn't for him. He is the way maker. His word is the only one we need. Listen to me carefully here because I'm, you don't need my words. Nothing I say on here is of any importance unless it's from God. And I pray before we get started that God will give me the words that people need to hear because I don't want it to be about me. I'm sure I have made it about me several times. We're all dealing with that. <laughs> but you don't need my words. His book, the Bible, is the only one you need. If you're not reading this, if you're not reading the Bible, I don't want you to read this. He references the Bible a lot in this book, but you need to do that for yourself, okay? Nothing is more important than your relationship with him. And you can't build that relationship without reading the Bible. So if you're not reading the Bible, I want you to quit book club right now. Okay. I don't want you to be reading this. If this book is not important to you. Because anything that Max Lucado has to say is his experience with God. Anything your pastor has to say is his experience with God or her experience. Anything I have to say is my experience with God. You need to experience it for yourself. I honestly, I really do. If you're in book club right now and you're not reading your Bible, I don't want you to pick up another book that we ever read in here. Please don't waste your time with these books unless you're spending time in this book. It's the most important thing. And I have no idea why I'm crying right now because I'm just so passionate. And I love you guys so much. And I can't tell you how much it means to me that God thinks highly enough for me to ask me to talk to you guys about these books. But nothing I say or do is important unless you're building a relationship with him. I would be a terrible preacher, guys. I'm how can you just start crying? That's Ooh. okay. I've, seen, I've, I've watched my husband break down. Many times. <laughs> so we just call, call him a little sentimental sometimes. So, I mean, pastor Brian breaks down, but like normally at the end of service or something, like he gets through what he needs to say first. Mm. What I'm trying to say is that these books are great examples to guide us, but they are far inferior to having a personal relationship with God. If you don't well, have that. God's word is very powerful. Yeah. And if you really think about what he did and gave his life for us. Yeah. I mean, which one of us would be willing to die for strangers we have never met? The way that he did too. Yes. Yes. The embarrassment, Painfully, the shame that he yeah. was poured out on him. 
All right, you should, we should all be very emotional. Yeah. I just got very passionate for a second, guys. That's okay. And when I was writing that, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> that was not for me. I guarantee you like that. Anyway, I cry when God overwhelms me. When he, yeah. Anyway, chapter but, seven. You know, <laughs> God may have placed that on your heart to speak because somebody on here or on a podcast needs to hear that. Yeah, I very much believe that because, yeah, that's how passionate I am. And that's how much I love Jesus. So you go, girl. All right. <laughs> Chapter seven. Let's move on before I keep crying. God gets you. This may not help me stop crying, but on page 72, um, he puts in here Hebrew four, Hebrew four, 15 and 16. And it says for our high priest, Jesus is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace there. We can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. So Jesus was both fully man and fully God. And this is so hard to wrap your brain around because it doesn't make any earthly sense, right? He makes, Max Lucado makes the point here that if Jesus had come down from heaven as only fully God, we wouldn't be able to feel like he really knew what we were going through and was like one of us. Alternatively, if he had only fully, if he was only fully human, born from two humans, then do you think we would crush, question his power and his divinity? I mean, let's think about Billy Graham for a second. Like he was one of the biggest creatures of all time, but he was born from two humans. He was a human. He was not divine. I don't give him any <laughs> divine power. I think God used him exponentially to reach people for God, but he wasn't God. I think that's a very clear definition we need to make because sometimes we hold our preachers and our pastors and people in big churches that broadcast on the internet, they, they hold them up to a higher standard because they think that they're more than, but they're just as human as we are. They mess up too. I want to, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Um, since he was both divine and human on page 73, he says, because of the first we draw near because of the latter we worship. So because he was human, we can, we know that he feels what we felt. He, he walked on the dirt. He scraped his knee. He had to grow up. He, he talks about him going through like adolescence. <laughs> I wish they would have given us a little like window into that. Cause that would have been funny. <laughs> like, his voice changed and he grew hair. And anyway, you know, he got hungry and he got tired and he had to eat food to stay alive. He breathed air. That's felt, all really cool to think about. And he felt uh, the salt in the wounds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when yep. you think about that, because I mean, then at his end, he did have a lot of wounds. Yeah. So, but yeah. Absolutely. And on the other end, like he also made dead people rise. He cast out demons and he healed sick people. Like I said, none of that makes any sense, but God, you know, his infinite self rarely makes sense to our finite brains because we live in this little box <laughs> where 
things need to fit in or it just blows our mind. But I think when we get to heaven, we're all going to be like, oh, that's why. That's how you did that. Oh, it makes total sense because we're going to be able to be perfect and we're going to be right alongside God and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That was smart. Um, let's see, on page 76, I'm going to read this short paragraph right in the middle. He says, he gets you. So human, he could touch people. So mighty, he could heal them. So human, he spoke with an accent. So heavenly, he spoke with authority. So human, he could blend in unnoticed for 30 years. So mighty, he could change history and be unforgotten for 2,000 years. All man, yet all God. Think about that. He was born in a manger. A few select people knew that the Savior was born. But then we don't hear anything for 30 years. He was just a normal guy, just growing up in a normal town. He made things out of wood. He lived with his parents, you know. He was just normal. Nobody even, like, he grew up, well, when they say he goes back to his hometown and, like, none of them respect him because he's just the, the skinny kid down the street that would kick a soccer ball or whatever. Like, he was just a little kid that grew up in this town. But when he goes to other towns and works these miracles, he's, oh my gosh, the Savior is here. But in his own hometown, no one even knew or respected the fact that he was a Savior because they only knew him as a little scrawny kid down the street, right? So they didn't understand the gravity of who he was. It, I, I don't remember where I heard that, or I don't know if somebody preached on it or if I read a Bible study about it, but yeah, that was interesting to dig into that and realize that, I mean... The little girl that lives down the street, like, what if she was like somebody, right? I wouldn't know. She's just the little girl down the street. So it's pretty interesting. Well, it's kind of like going over there to Israel and walking <laughs> around because for those of us that have taken that trip, it's like, oh my gosh, mm. I'm walking where he walked. Yet I'm also among people that live in that area that it's there every day. Yeah. And they're, they're walking oblivious to the fact mm -hmm. that those of us doing this traveling are like in awe. Yeah. And yeah, it's sometimes I wanted to stop the people and go, do you realize who was <laughs> here? You know, <laughs> Tiva, so do you, want, you live on holy ground. Yes. <laughs> so I, I mean, do you realize that every day you're walking where he walked? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. I don't remember where it was, but in here he talks about baptizing himself in the Jordan River and grabbing a stick. Oh, and yeah. Like, it's just a stick, but it was a stick from the Jordan River. Like, right. what if Jesus touched this? That's really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we brought back water from the Jordan River. Yeah. And we actually use it a lot of times in our baptismal font for mm -hmm. people. So That's cool. Yeah. Just That's a, awesome. a simple thing. I'm sure yeah. the water has changed many times since then, but yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> and it was slimy. I'm just telling you. Really? Ew. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a river. It's not it's like, not. unlike any it's other a river, river. There's nothing really holy about the river. Yeah. It's just about what happened at the river. Right. Right. So he says on page 77 that Jesus didn't deserve the life that he led and we don't deserve his sacrifice. 
but he gave up heaven to walk with us so that he could better understand us. I, I will always be in awe of his sacrifice because he literally left heaven where everything is perfect and decided to come down here and be born as a baby in a manger. Have you, if you guys haven't seen the chosen Christmas special, I encourage you to watch that. Cause they go into like, they show Mary having the baby and everything. Um, and it was funny because at one point Joseph's like shoveling manure out of the way so he can make a bed for Mary. Like how real is that? Like that really like just shines a light on how rough <laughs> his birth was and probably how gross and German festive. Anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> Everything was germy then, right? They didn't have hand sanitizer no. 2000 years ago. So we're, we're very blessed to have hand sanitizer now, but I mean, just to see him shoveling the poop so that he yeah. can lay a blanket down for her to have a baby. It was mm -hmm. just, it was very enlightening, let's say. But yeah, I, I highly recommend, there's an app um, that you can download and that has all the episodes of The Chosen. The Chosen is a TV series, a multi-season TV series um, about the life of Jesus. And it starts with him choosing his disciples to go and um, live out his mission here on earth. So. The Christmas special obviously is about the Christmas story. Last year was about the shepherd who found the baby Jesus in the stable after he was born. So this year they go into the actual birth and they're trying to get into the inn and they can't find room when they're allowed in the stable and all of that. It was really cool. And there's a lot of, um, excuse me, there's a lot of Christian artists that sing during the show as well. Um, it's like a whole, a whole thing. We got to see it in the movie theater a couple weeks ago. It was really neat. Um, but they have it on the app now. So yeah, but this done at the museum in Washington. No, no, that was something different. Oh, that was different. Yep. Oh, okay. That was a for King and Country special, which is also very good. Um, it's mostly just for King and Country singing, but it's like it's kind of like a concert, but it was really, really cool. They take some classic Christmas songs and some of their own songs and do it their own way. Um, if you've ever heard the little drummer boy by For King and Country really really good they do like their own little spin on it and it's kind of rocking instead of you know just a little hymnal but i know they rock it out mm -hmm. yeah they did um a silent night at the museum of the bible oh, in yeah. bc that's what we watched on saturday so you can use it just a virtual ticket you buy it's like 20 dollars for your household they have other ones too if you want a poster or a signed poster but it was 20 dollars, and um it was an hour long so it was really good. If you guys are looking for a little concert in your house to hang out and listen to, it was really good. All right, on page 78, he says, because Jesus is human, he understands you. Because he is divine, he can help you. And he wants to help you. He wants us to have a fulfilling life. We just have to give up what we think we need and decide to need him more. Because nothing on this earth that we think we need is worth anything unless we have him. So we need him more than anything that we could ever get on this earth. It's hard to digest sometimes because the things on this earth look really appealing. Uh -huh. All right. Chapter eight, Christ is praying for you. So in this chapter, he talks about a lot of different storms in your life that can happen. So in Matthew 14, we see the story of Jesus and when he sends his disciples ahead of him 
in a boat to their next destination, but Jesus stays behind and he prays. So the storm comes and they're trying to row the boat and they're having a hard time getting it across the sea because of all the waves and this terrible storm that's coming through. And the whole time Jesus was also in the storm because he was just off the coast of the sea where the storm was happening. So that's what he talks about in this chapter is that, you know, God, you know, Jesus was still feeling the effects of the storm, but he prayed. And then he says, or should we say he was in the storm? So he prayed, which I like that he makes that, that point there. Um, on page 85 at the bottom, he says, Jesus right now at this moment in the midst of your storm is interceding for you. Doesn't that give you hope that someone, especially the creator of the universe is on your side? He's in it with you. That's, I love the footprints prayer because when there was only one set of footprints, it's because he was carrying you. Let him carry you when it gets hard and when the seas get rough, let him carry you. He wants to carry you. I think it was the end of the last chapter he talks about carrying that I was crying and bawling my eyes out when they, the other team picked her up and was like carrying her to the, to, so she could get her home run. Look at all the things they said. They sacrificed that game. They sacrificed their place in the playoffs so that she could finish her home run because she hurt her leg and couldn't run the bases and her teammates weren't allowed to help her. So the umpires were trying to figure out a solution because she hit the ball out of the park, but she couldn't walk because she hurt her knee. It was just beautiful when the other team was like, we'll carry her. <laughs> that made them lose the game. It was so, so sweet and very humbling, right? You humble, they humbled themselves and allowed themselves to lose the game to do the right thing, which I think is really beautiful. And we should um, hear more of those stories in real life because that's not unusual. Right. I've watched enough of those types of stories where runners have stopped yeah. and turned around and helped a yeah. fallen person. So... But that doesn't sell newspapers. Yeah, that doesn't sell the news though. So they don't talk about those heartwarming stories very often. I love heartwarming stories. Yeah, me too. Um, I love that his friend Chris on page 87 and 88, he had a case of mono when he was nine years old. So then his dad taught him how to use the guitar and how to play the guitar. I mean, um, and he ends up being Chris Tomlin, which everyone knows. He's an amazing, well-known um singer songwriter so a case of mono at nine years old led to him being chris tomlin <laughs> like i can't say his name without excitement i'm like chris tomlin i love him he's so so good i love his songs um and he says on page 88 at the top he says i can't help but think that jesus was praying for nine-year-old chris tomlin because you know we we wonder why we have to go through these storms and why we have to have these hard times and i don't <sighs> This is, I could go into this, but I don't think there's a reason, but I think God has a purpose through it all. Some things you just don't have a reason for. You cannot figure out why two tectonic plates rub together and cause an earthquake. Like, I don't know that there's a reason for that, but there, God has a, God's going to work a purpose through everything. Every bad thing that happens in your life, God's going to use that to make you stronger, build your faith, help you help someone else. Like there, there's something going to come out of it because God uses everything for his good every he said oh what satan intends for evil jesus will use for good so true because i could have let the anxiety and 
everything overtake me a couple weeks ago, but instead I was like, nope, I have no control. I'm slow, this slowly working on me, guys. God's slowly getting this into my soul that I am not in control. I think maybe that's why I keep going through these things because I need to build my faith. <laughs> I think that's that's what God's working on. Um, but yeah, I love that he took that case of mono to create Chris Tomlin. So cool. But, you know, God, I just love that God's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's there to work on things for you. Like you're not alone, right? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Hebrews 13, five, <laughs> our theme verse for the year. He's, he's never going to leave you alone. No matter how many times you try to run away and hide from God, Jonah, um, it doesn't matter. He's, he's always there. He, all you have to do is turn around and, oh, right there he is waiting for you to look to him and he's interceding for you he wants god he wants you to have the life that god has promised you that's what we're talking about in this book right promises god makes promises to us and he fulfills everyone that he makes to everyone in the bible he promised abraham and sarah a nation and what did they get eventually didn't happen right away but eventually they got a nation he, he never fails his promises. It might just not happen in your time, but he's there and he's praying for you and he loves you. All right. Chapter eight. Next week. I wrote it in my book. Sorry. I don't remember what chapters we're doing next week. Nine through 11. So just three chapters next week. And next week is, is Christmas week. It's so exciting. I'm also I'm both excited and scared because I have a lot of presents to buy and I don't want to go to the mall because I would I would rather run over my foot with our van anyway it wasn't van. that bad we were there were you mm. you're brave I plan on ordering things online and praying that they'll get here in time it's just so if, if you need a picture with Santa though apparently you have to make reservations nowadays really well just to give you that heads up. I won't say anything in case there's little ears, but my, my kids have come to their own conclusion about that. And I'm fine with it because I'd rather talk about Jesus' birthday, to be honest. So anyways, all right. What prayer requests do we have? I have a few. Okay. Ready? Yep. For Melvin's cousin, Janet, she's got cancer of the liver. Mm but they said it's contained in one little, one little part of the liver. Okay. But she is, will be a, a good candidate for a liver transplant. She's healthy mm -hmm. enough and everything. So that's, that's a good move. Yeah, they might have to. Wow. And then my friend Jane, she's going through some mental illness. And then myself, you guys, I just went to a kidney doctor today and there's four four about four four inch centimeter uh, on my kidney. They don't know if it's a stone yet or not. So in six months, I have to go back and have another ultrasound. Wow, I'm so sorry. But they think it might be a stone. 
Yep, we're, that's as the doctor says, that's what we are going to go as. It's, it's the stone. We're not okay. going to, you know, so. Yeah. Six months ago, I didn't have it. So. <laughs> yeah. How's West? West is back to school. He's doing okay. great. Good. Awesome. All right, anybody else? Yeah, my um, social worker is not feeling well. She's got to go get a um, COVID test swab. Okay. Which, which social Amanda. worker? Amanda. Okay. Anything else? Uh, we're going to pray for Brooke because they found out that she has COVID from our church. Brooke? Brooke, okay. I think. Yeah. Brandy's sister. Mm -hmm. Is her name Brooke? Okay. I think so. I know mom just told us, but I can't remember if that's her name or not. Oh, I think it was a Brooke. Okay. You know, even if we're, we don't get the name right, God knows who we mean. Yep. me. That's what I was saying. God, God uh, knows. The, um, God knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Brooke and Brandy. I can see somebody doing that. Yes. <laughs> Sounds right. But I know a lot, a lot of people will now they get in the COVID a lot more than before. So I don't understand. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we got to say. Season of illness. I think that's probably going to happen every people, winter. And also, we're going to play for the people in Kentucky. Yeah. There was a lot of tornadoes. tornadoes. I think the last I heard, there was at least 80 people that lost their lives. Yeah, 64 or 46 or so. Okay. Maybe, maybe more by now. This was two yeah. days. Right people all right let's pray dear lord thank you so much for the time that we get to spend together thank you for bringing these books into our life so that we can learn more about you god just help us to keep your book as the forefront of our relationship with you god we want to have a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with you before we read any book about anyone else's relationship with you Lord, I pray that um, we can just always come to you first in prayer when we have a storm that we're going through. Lord, just guide us and help us to always look to you, God. And thank you so much for your sacrifice, sending your son here to die for us so that we can live for you in eternity. Lord, I just thank you that Jesus prays for us and intercedes for us when we're having a bad time for going through a storm. Lord, I pray for Janet, who was just diagnosed with liver cancer. God, I pray that she'll be healed completely and not need a liver transplant. Lord, I pray for Jane also. We just, we just ask that her mental illness be washed away, God. We just ask that she can think clearly that you will heal her. Lord, we ask for Shelly. God, just please heal the mass that is in her kidney. God, we pray that it is a kidney stone and nothing else. God, we pray that it will shrink and go away in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for Amanda. 
just heal her body, help her not to have COVID and help her to feel better. Lord, we pray for Brooke who has COVID. God, we just ask that you heal her lungs and help her to feel better as well, Lord. And we also pray for all the families in Kentucky, Lord, just keep a hedge of protection around them, help them to have the resources that they need and the things and the people to help them out. God, again, we just thank you so much for giving us the chance to come to you in prayer and ask for forgiveness and be humble enough to ask for forgiveness, God. We love you so much, and we thank you again for the freedom that we have to gather together. It's all in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Yeah. I'll wear like Santa hats or something. Or oh, there we go. Some kind of <laughs> festive. We need a festive book club. Something. <laughs> we'll get there some reindeer go. ears. So I have little Santa ears upstairs. <laughs> I should say the kids have Santa ears, but I might need to borrow them. <laughs> Today I've got two braids. There you oh, go. Gosh, <laughs> like a little girl. Yeah, that's me. Yep. <laughs> Just a child at heart. <laughs> I know. All right, guys. Well, we love you and we will see you Good next night. week. Love you. See you Bye. next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the BCS podcast. If you would like to chat with us, please join our community on Facebook, Book Club Sisterhood. And you can find us on Instagram as Book Club Sisterhood as well. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Let's grow.